Well, good morning, everyone. For those of you who are new, my name is um, Pastor Dave Fukuyama, and I'm the uh, senior pastor at uh, Mission Valley. And it gives me great pleasure to introduce our speaker um, this morning, Pastor Ned Kakimoto, because it's the first time here. But uh, for those of you who know, my vision, for the, and it's the ongoing vision, is to create a culture of discipleship. And so when I was doing this, you know, I was talking to Annette, and she was willing to come on our staff. And she, I know she hates when I talk about this, but I felt like I drafted Kobe Bryant, you know. And I talked to other pastors, and they said, how did you get her to be on your staff? And I said, well, I'm a good GM, you know. But anyway, um, you know, she's been uh, made such a difference in our staff in, in terms of discipleship, because this is what she um, got her doctorate, and she knows more about discipleship than I do. And, you know, our series is um, the five things that God uses to help grow our faith. And one of those things is personal disciplines. And she knows so much more about the personal disciplines than, you know, I do. I mean, she uh, teaches walking with the word. She's led our spiritual formation retreats that you've benefited from. And so when I was coming up with this series that I knew that, okay, I wanted her to uh, speak on this. And she's such a good, uh, uh, she brings so much. I mean, look at all of this here. I mean, the way she set everything up, you got a bookmark. Please, don't expect this from me. You know, I'm just going to come up here and talk. You're not going to get this colorful, um, whatever, this ambiance here, and a book and a bookmark. So, But, you know, I'm so glad that she's here and she's able to talk to us on something that she's really experienced on. And this is right down her alley. So let's please welcome Pastor Annette. Oh, uh, Dave, Dave. Oh, Dave. Psst. May I have my, I'm going to have that stand. Oh. <laughs> See, he's already trying to steal the show. <laughs> Thanks, Pastor Annette. <laughs> yes. Well, thanks. Isn't it great? It's always good to be in the house of the Lord and to be able to worship him and to uh, thank him for his faithfulness um, and to see what God has in store. Even this morning as I got here and was setting up and things, uh, just 10 minutes before the service started, I got a bloody nose. So uh, that's why I'm like, like if I, I'm not being high-nosed if I keep my nose up, okay? <laughs> but uh, it is really a joy to be here uh, with all of you, and again, um, a church family to worship the Lord. So today's sermon is uh, the third thing that God uses uh, to grow our faith in him, and that has to do with the practicing of personal spiritual disciplines. So I want to just have you think and imagine for a moment how your life would be different a week from today. So you live out the rest of your week tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all the way through do you have a vision and a hope and a desire that your life is somehow going to be different, better, deeper, more passionate for God than when you were here today? And really, that's the way that God desires for us to live our lives, that we would be able to have a vibrancy and a joy in our daily lives. And so that's why I really believe your daily life is the context where your spiritual growth in Christ, 
your daily life, not just on Sunday, not just on Wednesday, but every day is a fresh and wonderful opportunity for you to grow in the Lord. And we are encouraged to grow because in 2 Peter 3.18, it says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. And so Jesus, he was fully God and fully man when he came here to earth. And yet he too had to grow in his relationship with the Father. And so we see in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, that Jesus, as a boy, is in the temple. He's sitting with the teachers. And it says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So even he had to grow in wisdom and stature. Hebrews 5, 7 to 10, talks about this, that during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions and loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from the things that he suffered. Isn't that amazing? He learned things through the suffering that he experienced while he was on this earth for only a short 33 years. And so that's why it's wonderful for us as followers of Jesus is to take a look at Jesus. How was he, fully God, fully man, left the glories of heaven, What can we learn from him as he walked this earth that will help us to learn, for example, his practice as the spiritual discipline of prayer? And he had a wonderful rhythm to his life that we're going to see in a few moments. For example, he had morning devotions. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Then he had evening prayer, where in Mark 6, verse 46, he had a huge day that day. He was feeding the 5,000 people. And then it says, after leaving them, he went up a mountainside to pray. He didn't just go straight home and say, I am bushed, I'm tired. No, when the crowds go, He goes up a mountainside. He goes up where it's quiet, private, hidden, and he prays. He has saved enough energy, not after a hard day, to pray to his Father and to be refueled again in the love and the power of God. And so we see him also in Luke chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, that he has this solitary communion and fellowship with the Father. It says, yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often, often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And so we see the Son of God who is all-powerful, all-amazing, and yet even he takes that time to withdraw and to pray. And then Luke 22, that wonderful story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, 
That is such a window into his prayer life. We see the anguish, the angst, the, the struggle, and the surrender that he has in the Garden of Gethsemane as he prays. And that's why for us as disciples of Jesus, if we are a student of Jesus, an apprentice, a follower, a disciple of Jesus, then we too are going to want to become like our Lord and Savior Jesus. So if Jesus was able to practice the spiritual discipline of prayer, solitude, and silence, what can we learn from him that will help inform our lives in 2023? And it's a wonderful way to look at that. Matthew 10, 24 says, The student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It's enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. So it's a good thing. It's a good thing for us as disciples to be like Jesus in that way. And that's why I encourage in Walking with the Word for people to read through the four Gospels in a year. Because when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we can help you to learn how to do that by being able to learn how to do that on a daily basis, you get a chance to see Jesus in the flesh, with the crowds, with his enemies. You see him suffering, and you see him still maintain this vibrant, amazing, intimate relationship with God. So what is it? Um, what are spiritual disciplines? There's different uh, de- definitions about it, but I like this basic description that a spiritual discipline involves experiences, practices, and relationships that help us grow into the likeness of God. Because we need all three of those. We need experiences of hearing God, being with God, being healed by God. We need practices, things that we actually do with our bodies and with our will and with our time and have those be practices. And we need relationships. So that way we're not doing life alone. We're doing it with God and with others. So Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So see, that's the key thing. Do not conform, be transformed, right? Do not conform to the patterns of this world, Be transformed. Wow, wouldn't that be great this week, that this week of your life, your work, your family, your relationships, that you are not conforming to the pressures of the world, but you are being transformed because you are having your mind, your heart, your soul renewed by the power of God. So I like that story about uh, the frog in the kettle. Have you ever heard about that? That there were some people that what they did poor frogs, you know. Um, But what they did was uh, they put um, a pot of uh, water that was lukewarm, oh, that was boiling hot, boiling hot. And then they dropped a live frog into the uh, pot, and the the frog went, and jumped right out because it was like boiling hot. It was just like shocked. It jumped right out. Then they got another pot, and they had it on a flame, and the water was like kind of cold, kind of lukewarm, and they put another live frog in there. And so then little by little, 
they started to turn up the heat on that water. And so the frog's like, oh, this feels so good. Oh, my gosh. And then, little by little, the temperature on that water is getting hotter and hotter. And the frog's like, you know? And you know what happened? That frog boiled to death because that temperature was going up, going up, going up, and it was so unaware of its context and its surrounding that it boiled to death. It didn't know that it was getting hotter and hotter, and it didn't know to jump out of a deadly situation. Okay, So that's for us to think about, right? That for us not to be the frog in the kettle, we need to think about the context in which we live our lives and not to conform to all the pressures of the world and the values that God that, that are in the world. So some people wonder, how is it, Annette, that these spiritual disciplines that we're going to be talking about, how do they really, really transform us? What's so special about prayer, Bible study, fellowship, celebration, all these things? And so this is the secret to the spiritual disciplines, that the spiritual disciplines places before God so that he can transform us as we connect with him. That's all it really is. It places you before God so that God is here and you are here and you connect with him, you commune with him, and he talks to you. And when you are in his presence, that's where the transformation happens. And it's just to have you slow down your life so that you are able to be able to place yourself before God, make time for God, enjoy God's presence, and see him speak to you and be transformed. And so what that does, it creates this special, wonderful space. It's a space that you can come into any time, any place in your day and in your life, and you can know that you are in the presence of the one that knows you the best and loves you the most. It's a safe place. It's a healing place. It's a renewing place. It's a place where he is there and he wants to meet with you and to have that time with you. So I really like um, in Jeremiah 18, there's this wonderful imagery about um, a potter and he um, um, has clay on a wheel. And so what he does is that he has this lump of clay on the wheel and he's turning the wheel the wheel, and he's trying to shape that particular clay into a vessel, into a pot, into something, a piece of art. And what's wonderful is that that's all part of the shaping process by the potter. And so that's why the only thing I could think of besides a potter is Plato, right? Plato, from my childhood, yes, I'll admit that. Plato is a great thing, right? That that's where you can put it in your hand and you can squish it and mush it, and you can stretch it, and you can make all kinds of things with it, right? You can shape it and mold it, right? And so that's part of what the spiritual disciplines do, is that they put you in a place where you are the Play-Doh in God's hands. God is shaping you and molding you. And you know, and that's why uh, to be in, uh, the, uh, in this process is painful. Sometimes doing spiritual disciplines is painful, because God is rubbing out maybe a, a hurt or a pain. God is touching something that's very, very personal and private. Nobody knows about it. But he's touching it 
because he wants to um, heal it and wants to help you to experience more of it. And so God reveals these things when you engage into spiritual disciplines in order to heal us, not to harm us. So sometimes we're afraid of spiritual disciplines because, oh man, hey Annette, I don't want to go there. I don't want to look at that. I don't want to open up that Pandora's box. But then look at your life. Look at your heart. Look at your relationships. Is that worth not looking at some of those hurts so that God can heal it and make you stronger and vibrant and you can be a witness for the power of God in your life? So the way that I try to help people understand about the importance of spiritual disciplines is that it takes two things to keep in mind. And thankfully, we don't do the spiritual disciplines on our own strength, that we um, need two wings to be able to practice that. And so we need the wing of discipline. Okay? We need to be able to cooperate and to participate with God. But if I was a bird, have you ever seen a bird fly with one arm? I haven't seen that yet, okay? Maybe it's out there, but I haven't seen it. Okay, but we need another wing, right? And this wing is called grace, God's grace. And what is God's grace? God's grace is the faithfulness to do for us the things we cannot do by ourselves. He knows we cannot have sometimes the fortitude and the energy to be able to do certain things that we need to be able to do. And so he comes alongside and he gives us grace. He gives us his power. He gives us a desire to do his will. And so that's why we need to be able to do both. Discipline and grace. Discipline and grace help us to be able to walk with God. So it's not just all up to me. It's not just all up to God. But together, discipline and grace is what moves us forward. So what are some of the spiritual disciplines? Let's take a look at these. Yay for bookmarkers. There's not enough bookmarkers in the world. So you get another one. But uh, this one is from uh, Dallas Willard. And believe me, there are lots of spiritual disciplines. But I like this particular um, category. And so what I'm going to do, though, because of our time, I'm going to uh, cover just the top, uh, the first half of it, okay? because the second half is pretty um, self-describing. But these spiritual disciplines, again, the things that help us to become more like Christ, they're not meant to be prudish or rigid or legalistic in any way, okay? So you might say, oh, Annette, you're such a party pooper. Look at this. Look, I have to fast? What's up with that? I love it. I'm a foodie. I love to eat. And frugality, what? I have to share my money with someone else? What's up with that too, right? But these are, again, there's a purpose. There's a wonderful purpose for them. And so 1 Peter 2.11 says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage, which war against your soul. Wow, I love that imagery, right? That sinful desires which war against your soul. And that's why certain desires that we may have may be sinful and maybe things that we need to take a look at that God wants to have us abstain from. 
But there's also good things, too, uh, in our lives that sometimes we are also called to abstain from. And they're good. They're not bad. And so those are things that God also deals with. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23 to 25, Jesus says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily. Not once a year, daily, right? Daily, take up your cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life, you're going to lose it. But whoever loses their life for me, for Jesus, you will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit their very self? And so that's why these um, abstaining spiritual disciplines, sometimes uh, they deal with things that are normal and legitimate desires and that are good things. But God wants to take those and deepen it and make it more fruitful in your life. So let's, uh, let me just quickly go through these, just so that you and I are just um, on the same page as to them. So solitude, what is solitude? Solitude is where we intentionally abstain from interacting with people. Okay? And so like Jesus, we also choose to withdraw from people and to be alone so that we can be alone with the Father. That's why after he was with all the crowds, he chose to go into solitude and to be alone so he could talk to his heavenly father and he could hear what the father had to say. And when you are in solitude, you can experience God's healing, comforting presence because you are in the presence of pure love, a love that loves you, sees you, knows you, understands you, knows why you hurt, knows the terrible things people did to you. And because of that, you are in the presence of pure love. Silence. What this is is about is that we actually choose to close ourselves off from noise and music and people talking to us. We choose actually to stop looking at and referring all the time to const, uh, constant social media. So that way there's a silence on our cell phones that we're not always engaging in our cell phones. And so that's why silence is really, really powerful because it gives us this space not to fill it with noise and busyness and images and things like that, but it's silent and quiet. So for me, what I've really appreciated about the spiritual life and walking with the Lord is one of the images that I really appreciate is this. Have you had these kinds of days where your day is like this? Have you had blizzard, what I call my blizzard days, right? Where things are happening thick and fast, things you are swimming all over the place. For me, I am so busy, I'm multitasking, multitasking my multitasking, right? And I still can't get it all going. And so this is what happens. But in solitude and silence, when I begin to sit and begin to have that time with the Lord, when I create some space in my schedule and in my time, all of those things start to settle and begin to help me to realize God's peace and presence. And then what happens is I can then start to see more clearly God's goodness and his grace in my life. 
The other thing that I like, too, about um, spiritual disciplines of solitude and silence is how I practice it in my personal life is that my best time that I really enjoy is late at night. I love it when my pet rabbit, Tanner, is sleeping, and my brother, Glenn, he's sleeping in his bedroom, and then I'm in the same bedroom I've been in since the third grade. So my bedroom is very small. But that little bedroom of mine is a place where I can talk and pray to the Lord and think about the day. And so there was a time when, um, recently, where there was just a lot of things on my plate, in my mind, in my life, and I was just really um, burdened. And it had been a really a hard day, emotionally, mentally, physically, just a really hard day. And I kept pushing down all the emotional things I needed to take a look at because I, I didn't have time to deal with. So as I went into prayer, I saw myself hunched over like this. I was just hunched over because I was so burdened. It's so heavy weighed, and I was just hunched over. And then I saw, by the grace of God, this great big hand come, and it placed it right on my hunched over back. And this big hand And I instinctively knew that was the right hand of God the Father. And it was resting on me and blessing me and touching me. And as that hand touched my burdened back, all of a sudden I could feel all the stress, the strain, the anxiety, the fear, the the feelings that I had start to leave me. It went out of my body. And then I began to feel God's peace and his joy, and his comfort. Oh, I needed his comfort that day. Really needed it. Needed hope. Needed joy. Needed to know things were going to be okay. And when that happened, I just felt from his hand into my soul the peace that only God can give in such a deep, 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 deep way. And that came in my little bedroom, um, and in the solitude and the silence of that time. So I hope that that's something that, again, is something we can experience. Okay, fasting. Fasting is where we abstain from things that we usually need or enjoy, like food or eating, yay, good for food, or even like our cell phones, right? And did you know that nowadays it is okay to fast from your phones? Okay, they developed a new spiritual discipline called unplugging, where you unplug not just the cord, but you unplug yourself from, from always incessantly having this thing on and ding, ding, ding. I feel like Pavlov's dog, ding, you know? That to be able to stop and to unplug from this so that you fast, that you can put it away. It doesn't have your attention. It's not the Lord of your life. Jesus is. And then you can be free from that to then turn and to enter into a space with God for him to speak uh, to you about. Okay, frugality, what that's about is that money is huge in our lives. And so with this, this is where we abstain from spending money to buy things that gratify our flesh or our pride. We could buy those things, and it'll make us look really spiffy or nice or wonderful, and it's the latest you know, gadget. But we actually we choose not to spend and to be more frugal on that. And I like how John Wesley, who's the founder of our Methodist um, tradition, he said, gain all you can, 
save all you can, give all you can. And so he encouraged people to give, to be able to share so that others can have. The cure for greed is generosity. And so to fat, and so to share, to be frugal so that you can give more away, that's the way you overcome your greed. Okay, chastity, what is this? That's where we abstain from dwelling on sexual relations and lust so that our sexuality is committed to the honor of God. And we are all sexual beings. And yet, our sexuality is not something that's separate from us, but God wants us to steward our sexuality in healthy ways. And that's how we learn how to practice love and not lust. Big difference between the two. Secrecy. This is where we abstain from showing off our good deeds and boasting about them and saying, oh, you know, this is what I did, and oh, I'm pretty good here, right? But rather, secrecy cultivates humility because nobody knows that you just did a very kind act to this person here. But your Heavenly Father saw that, and it blessed his heart that you did it in secret, and great will be your reward. Sacrifice. This is where, by faith, you give up something to trust God for it. So this might be something that you, a dream, a vision, a hope. You give it up, and you trust God's going to bless it and bring it in your life at his provision. So these seven uh, disciplines, they are countercultural to the world's values. Isn't that true? All of these, they are so opposite of how the world would have us live. Even as the church, the world is always clamoring to capture us and to put us into bondage versus the Lord wants us to practice these spiritual disciplines so that we are free to live a life with God and others that is full of joy and peace. And so this is why this is a wonderful thing. So some of these uh, disciplines... Some of you, it may be easy, and you've already experienced them, and that's good. But for others, um, there may be something here that God's tapping on your shoulder to take a look at as your next growth step, as your next place to really stretch and to walk with the Lord. Okay, so the bottom part is um, these disciplines of engagement. And that's where you engage with other people, other experiences, other situations, And so this is a really a great way for you to also experience um, spiritual renewal as well. So, you know, when I was uh, taking a look at this list, the first one uh, about study, which is usually studying the Word of God, it made me really uh, think about our youth here at Mission Valley. And I don't know all of you, I can never quite get the ages right. Like, what age are you, and what grade are you, and oh, you have three siblings, and who are your siblings? And okay, I know your parents, but I can't remember the birth order, all of those kinds of things. So I'm really thankful to our flow leaders, right? Our flow leaders are great for loving our, our youth in that way. But, you know, but I have heard that, you know, youth, that you go through a lot in your schools, with bullying and with peer pressure in schools, um, all the things that are, that are going on. And it made me think and remember this story about a young father that loved his young little daughter. They would, he loved her, he, she was the apple of his eye, and so he really wanted her not to grow up 
and be conformed by the world. He didn't want her to be damaged and to be uh, branded by what the world said about her. So they would study the Bible together. She had her little Bible. She ha- he had his Bible. They would read the scriptures together. They would talk about Jesus. And she began to learn the Bible and learn what God's truths had to say. So they were studying Ephesians chapter 6, which is the armor of God. And so he taught her about the, to take up the shield of faith, which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And so he said, okay, honey, you have to know that you have an enemy, and there's going to be something that he's going to zing you with an arrow, okay, a flaming arrow. So how are you going to defend yourself? So he goes, okay, here comes the arrow, flaming arrow. He goes, oh, people are going to say, oh, you're just a little girl. In fact, you're not very pretty. And then she goes like this. Her little, her little hand, not a paw, her little hand goes up. And she goes like this. And then what she says, the word of God says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And that arrow It didn't pierce her heart, her soul, her mind, her memory. She put the word of God there as her armor. He goes, oh, okay. And then he's thinking, he goes, well, you know what? Nobody likes you. You don't have any friends. And then her hand goes, her little hand goes up. And then she goes, he says, the word of God says, Jesus calls me his friend and not a servant. And God also says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. So he, she stopped that arrow with the word of God. And then he goes, okay. And then he goes, well, you're not very special. And then she says, God says, I am his beloved daughter. And my God is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Stop that. And she was able to walk in her identity and know the word of God. And so he gave her a great big hug. And he says, honey, those are all true about you. Not what the world says, but the word of God defines you. And so that's why for the youth, I pray and ask the Father, that all the net, those flaming arrows that come at you in school and your friendships, that you will stop them with the word of God and the armor of God and be able to know who you are in Christ. So these are all of the other, um, other spiritual disciplines that are really great for us to be able to experience. And so I want to encourage you that when you actually practice some of these spiritual disciplines in your life, What you're doing is you're creating a life with God. Little by little, your routine, how you live your life, what you do in your free time, how you spend your money, what you do in secret, how you care for others, all of that is creating a life with God, and that's how your faith will really grow. You're going to grow because you're going to practice these things with Jesus and be able to know that that's um, what it's like. And so we are not looking for perfection. These are why these are practices. You get to practice. You get to experiment. You get to try being quiet and silent for maybe five minutes. See what that's like. Okay, five minutes seems too long. Try three minutes. 
Then in three minutes, it might go to four, and then five. And next thing you know, little by little, you learn, you practice, you learn. Wow, God, it is wonderful just to sit with you and be with you. When I drive my uh, car, I love turning off the radio. And again, I pay attention to the road, so I'm, I'm, you won't, I won't hit you guys if I see you on the road. But I love it because my 2017 Toyota Corolla becomes God's sanctuary. Because God is right there sitting in the passenger seat with me. It's quiet, and he, it's just he and I. I don't need to new, listen to the news. I don't need to do, listen to my wonderful country music. I can listen and hear God speak to me. And I think there's Shekinah glory in my car. So it's just maybe me, but it's just wonderful. So my question to you is, do you think and have you outgrown your spiritual discipline? Do you think you've outgrown it? Are you still doing maybe some things that when you were a younger Christian that you did and you just kept doing the same thing, same thing? But uh, this wouldn't quite fit me anymore, would it, right? But are you growing in your spiritual life so that this used to fit, but now there's a lot of fresh and new things that you can experience and do in your relationship? And the spiritual disciplines, there's a lot of wonderful ways to be able to experience that. So this week, the invitation is for you to practice just one of these spiritual disciplines and to see, just see what that would that look like. What day of the week would you practice it? What context would you practice it with? Who would you practice it with? So that God uses that to shape you, to change you, to mold you, to shape you more and more like Jesus. So that when you become more like Jesus, people see you and they know you are different. They know there is something about you. And then God is glorified and may use you to bless others. So next Sunday um, at uh, 9 o'clock um, in the prayer chapel, I felt led just to offer um, a special session that if any of you would like to talk about any of the spiritual disciplines, feel free to come and I'll talk with you about it. I would love to be able to talk about what is your lifestyle like? What are some spiritual disciplines you can incorporate into your week, Sunday to Sunday, month in, month out, so that that way you are, again, creating that space that you can meet with God. So the question is, are you willing to make room for God in your schedule, in your life, in your responsibilities? Are you willing to make room so that you and him can commune and fellowship together? So that he can say, I know you hurt. I know it's hard. I know you're disappointed. But come, let's reason together. Let's talk about it. I am here for you. I love you. You are my child, and I have got great things in store for you. How you've lived your life all these years or decades, that doesn't need to continue. You can enter into a wonderful life. So I pray you'll make room for God and experience his wonderful presence. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your graciousness and your goodness to us. And thank you that you use ordinary things, ordinary situations such as our lives, 
to really create spaces and times and experiences where we can know that you love us, where there is more to the spiritual life than we've been settling for, that sometimes, Lord, our lives are so busy that we are eating dry bread, and you call us to eat fresh bread, piping hot, wonderful, soft, and wonderful. And so I pray, Father, for each person here, for the youth, for the adults, Lord, for parents, Lord, that in Jesus' name, we would be a people that we, as we practice our spiritual disciplines, we meet you, we encounter you, we experience you. And when we do, we are transformed. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, by your spirit. Amen.